Point of Vista, episode 185. I'm Andrew, and I'm here in the Qantas Members Lounge that is inside Parliament House. Uh, standing over near the buffet and stuffing as many shrimp as possible into his underpants, it's Ben. I'm, hey allergic, ben. To, I'm allergic to shellfish. Oh, I'm also allergic to shellfish. Oh, our friendship gets deeper every day. Yeah. I love that. Two boys, no prawns. <laughs> <laughs> I believe I believe we've talked in the past about how Theo has to have an experience approximately once a year where he thinks, I wonder if I'm still allergic to shellfish. Yeah. And the answer is yes. yes. Anyway, is it, is it possible to experience anaphylactic shock but in your penis? Like your urethra just slowly closes up? Oh, oh no. And it ends up I... looking like that, uh, you know that picture of that Labrador that ate all the bees? Mm. No, oh, very sad. Yeah, no, oh, got stung so many times. Carefully monitoring Ben's penis for signs of anaphylaxis. <laughs> it's Theo. Hey, How are you, Theo? Good. I mean, I was monitoring it anyway, so it's, imp- it's <laughs> nice to kill two <laughs> birds with one stone. What are you? Oh, boy. What are your monitoring systems that you've got in place? So, like a wiretap. You got one of those? Yep. Uh, thermal cameras. No, one of those. One of those, little, one of those little probes that you can hook up to a server uh, and send like um, a little bit, a little bit, a little bit of nerd talk here. But send little SNMP. The P is for penis events uh, to me. <laughs> Uh, I, I thought you were about to describe those, uh, the, the like Bluetooth meat thermometers for barbecue. <laughs> like, oh, oh, really? Uh, don't like where this is going. <laughs> no, he's got what he's got. One of those ones, you know, in movies when like a SWAT team will drill a hole through a ceiling and put the little little camera down that they can like snake mm-hmm. around. Yeah, one of those. Uh, but Theo's holding one end of it, and the other one of it goes just down the front of it. I've had one of them. I. Uh, I think I might have spoken about this on the podcast before, but I I have had a camera inserted up my urethra before. Yeah, me too, Ben. This is incredible. Oh, what a what a day for us. So why uh, were they why were they probing your dick hole? Fucking. Um, I got kicked so hard in the nuts that a, a vein in my testicles ruptured. Uh, but they didn't know that's what it was, so they had to just really. Jam a little camera up there to find out. Why, why do you get a camera well, jammed up your urethra? I, I've, I'm sure we've done this on pod before, but I uh, one day at work, I just couldn't pee. Oh, I, I remember this. And and so I couldn't pee for ages, and they uh, catheterized me. And then afterwards, they gave me the old uh, cytoscopy, um, but they weren't sure whether the catheter or the, or the scope actually pushed out whatever was let it, like, calcified on the in- inside. Um, ah, the quantum, the, the, you can't observe something without changing yeah, it. that's right. <laughs> <laughs> but wait, I hear a commotion. Forcing his way through security into the Qantas members lounge inside Parliament House with a cool fedora with a little press card on the side, it's journalist Cam Wilson. Hello, Cam. Hey, how you going? I've, um, I've actually already grabbed some of those Quant- Qantas uh, pajamas and I put them on just so I fit in. <laughs> Speaking of fitting in, have you, have you ever had your urethra close up? <laughs> uh, uh, no, no, I, ha- okay. I haven't. I haven't. But I, I enjoyed uh, going with you on that. Something journey. to look forward to then. Mm-hmm. At least one think, of you enjoyed it. What? I don't think it's like a definite <laughs> I think it's thing like wisdom that it will happen in everyone's life. It has. Uh, it has not happened to me. One of life's surprises, mm-hmm. maybe. We'll see. Hmm. <clears throat> Something to look forward to. God <laughs> yeah. truly works in mysterious ways. Oh, boy. So, um, Cam's with us today 
we thought that we might have a little look into the the goings-on, the happenings, the strange things that MP Craig Kelly has been getting up to. Because I believe that you're on you're on the Craig Kelly beat. Yes. Would that be a fair yeah. way to describe it? Yeah, I'd, I'd say so. Um, not by choice, really. Um, by a, <laughs> a, like an uncomfortable compulsion uh, that I, I just... I, I can't stop looking at him. He's um, uh, a, a really fascinating character who I just have been paying attention to for probably about 18 months now. Because I was going to ask, how does one get assigned to the Craig Kelly piece? <laughs> one doesn't get assigned. Uh, it's like you, Craig Kelly finds you. He, he, <laughs> found, he found me uh, through his posts and... Um, since since I started paying attention to him, um, you know he, he's really um, he's blossomed, and uh, he, he, it kind of feels like being a fan of a band before they hit the the mainstream, and then now there's a lot more attention on him, and I'm I'm kind of you know one of the the OGs and and saying hey look you know I, I appreciate all the new fans, but I've been here the whole time, um, and uh, yeah what a what a, ra- a wild ride it's been. But it is a it is a very broad church I feel as well. The uh, Craig Kelly mm. fan club. Welcoming yeah, place. Yeah. You know, there's me. Yeah, exactly. There's, uh, you know, anti-vaxxers, mm-hmm. QAnons. There's people who just love watching meatheads operate. Like, you know, we, we accept them all. And he does have a real meathead thing going on, doesn't he? Incredible meathead vibes. In fact, I think that one of the, uh, um, you know, criminally understudied uh, parts of, of conspiracy theories is the um, meathead to conspiracy theory pathway. I think it's a, a, a really common one. And um, Craig Kelly, I think, really typifies that. I've, uh, I've been following some of the exploits of uh, former, former UFC fighter Tito... Um, oh my God, what's his name? <laughs> uh, guy who used to fight in the UFC and he has now become like the mayor of Huntington Beach... Uh, basically on his wild conspiracy theory platform. And since becoming mayor, he has just Tito not turned Ortiz? up for... Tito Ortiz, thank you. Draw a complete blank there. Uh, mayor pro tem Tito Ortiz, <laughs> who is like basically an all-timer in the Hall of Fame for meatheads. He's one of those people where there's just this like endless supply of him like butchering common phrases and <laughs> turns of phrase and stuff like that <laughs> and he's just he's now the mayor of uh huntington beach california uh and he did all of his stuff in his make america great again hat uh talking about how everything's a big conspiracy and COVID is fake and all that sort of stuff and since he got elected he just like hasn't turned up for anything at all and all the rest <laughs> of the council is complaining that they can't do any of their votes uh, they can't actually get anything moving because uh, Tito says, oh, yeah, I'll be there for that conference call and then just ghosts them every time. Uh, <laughs> real meathead energy. And Craig himself said in his, I believe, his maiden speech to Parliament that as a former uh, rugby player, he has perhaps put his head into one too many scrums. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there it is. From the great mm-hmm. man himself. <laughs> Knew it. Yeah. Who could argue? Who could argue? So on, maybe on his- I was yep. just going to say on, on, his, on his private Facebook page, his, his personal Facebook page, he's um he's he's listed a lot of his likes, and I, I guess this must have been you know probably like from ten years ago when that used to be more of a thing. And one of his 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 favorite people is is uh, Martin Luther King, 
Um, <laughs> uh, so, look, you know, I think this is... We've his kind of posting has re- recently brought him a lot of attention, but um, you know I, I think Craig has always been playing the hits. Well, speaking of that, I thought maybe we could take a little trip back through some of the classic Craig Kelly hits of the past. Uh, for example, so this is I I was not familiar with um, Craig Kelly's origins like before even being in Parliament, and. It's it's exactly what you would think of somebody who is out there demanding that like the you know Australian Medical Association and the Chief Health Officer all adjust their positions to suit his views. Uh, after finishing high school, Craig Kelly worked for his parents as a furniture salesman uh, and export manager at their furniture business, D V Kelly Ltd. The firm imported Asian furniture and onsold it to retailers such as Harvey Norman. But financial troubles, doing a lot of lifting there resulted in the Australian Taxation Office issuing wind-up orders in 2012, leaving creditors and employees owed over $4 million. Uh, Kelly denied he was a director of the bankrupt business, despite signing himself as director in a whole bunch of documents. Cool stuff, Craig. Uh, In April 2014, (laughs) I think a lot of people like this one, Kelly spoke at an event commemorating the establishment of the independent state of Croatia, which was associated with fascist Italy and Nazi Germany during the Second World War. (laughs) <laughs> this, this cl- Excuse me? Have you never seen this before? <laughs> Have no. you never seen the photos of Craig Kelly giving a speech at a neo-Nazi oh event God. in front of a big crazy flag? <sighs> I have not. A Croatian language newspaper described Kelly's speech as conveying congratulations from <laughs> Prime Minister Tony Abbott. <laughs> 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 Kelly subsequently described the speech he gave as condemning fascism and communism and apologized for appearing to endorse the flag of the independent state of Croatia. <laughs> oh my god. For for appearing to. He, he's yeah. A, yeah, it, it, it just looked bad. <laughs> it was ma- it was it was like if you take it out of context. If you take me standing in front of a big flag of the independent state of Croatia uh, at an event put on by some weird neo-Nazis and endorsing them as some kind of endorsement. Of course, it's going to look weird. Yeah. And, and- Tony Abbott was mad as hell, but that's just because he's racist against <laughs> Croats <laughs> for totally inscrutable reasons. On the 18th of July, 2018, Kelly commented on Sky News in response to a Facebook post by the father of three children killed aboard flight MH17, quote, if some of the things that Russia has gotten away with in the past has to be slightly looked over, well, I'm sorry. That's the price we have to pay to have good relations going forward. <laughs> sorry about your kids, bro. Yeah. I'm, I'm just going to go ahead and slightly look over the murder of your three children. In September 2018, speaking at a Liberal Party function, Kelly stated that the Pacific island of Tuvalu was growing, not sinking, as evidence in favour of his climate scepticism. In September 2019, at a Monarchist League dinner, he claimed that this increase was because coral islands float, further oh, complaining fuck, that this was I not reported. about that. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, truly one of the greatest oh hits. Oh my god. He claimed the Coral Islands float further complaining that this was not reported on Australia's public broadcast network, the Australian Broadcasting Corporation. I feel like we've just blasted straight past the meeting that he was at. Can I get that one more time, please? Uh, At the Monarchist League dinner. Yep. The Monarchist League dinner. Yes, he is a uh, staunch constitutional monarchist as well. 
A thing that uh, most very smart figures in Australian politics have been. It's on the up, I think. He's, he's, he's back to winning horse. <laughs> As he often does. In January 2020, he was heavily criticised through global media for an appearance on UK television. I had also memory hold this one. In which he denied climate, ca- climate change was a contributing factor to the 2019-2020 Australian bushfires. Kelly was further criticised for racism and misogyny after referring to meteorologist Laura Tobin as a, quote, ignorant pommy weather girl, who, quote, has no idea what she's talking about, despite her university degree in physics and meteorology. Tobin told Kelly, quote, you're not a climate sceptic, you're a climate denier, and host Piers Morgan labelled Kelly a disgrace who should wake up. Nothing worse than being told to wake up. Imagine being, like, told you're a piece of shit by Piers Morgan, the, like, Mm. biggest piece of shit alive. Yep. I'm looking down on you from my spot in the gutter. Yep, I'm here, the nastiest turd in the toilet, and even I'm kind of better than you. (laughs) I think you stink. Emergency Management Minister David Littleproud, Treasurer Josh Frydenberg, and Prime Minister Scott Morrison distances themselves from Kelly's comments, and his fellow Conservative and New South Wales Energy and Environment Minister Matt Keane said that, quote, Craig Kelly is as qualified to talk about atmospheric physics as he is to perform brain surgery. <laughs> During this bushfire season, Kelly also implied that environmentalists were responsible for arson. Classic mm. line. Classic line. So, he's got some form. For not being very good at facts, I think we could we could describe it as. Yeah. A, it's never really bothered him, right? No. He's a bit of like... You know how there's <laughs> people in, in movies, there's that guy who... You don't know their name, but they're an actor who often pops up. He's been like that guy of Australian politics in the kind of... Just this crazy, just ridiculous shit that's always happening. And, you, and like, you know, once you put it together, you're like... This guy's a legit nut job who's just been like, and the the thing is, it's not like he's riding by on his other um, like his other achievements. Mm. This this is what he does. This is his his main claim to fame, um, and he's he's been in you know this is his eleventh year as a um, federal politician. Yeah, that was kind of what got me about reading back through his past and going, what what does this guy have going for him? And the answer was in his former life as a private citizen. He worked at his parents' furniture shop. Mm-hmm. Like, no offense to anybody out there selling furniture or anything like that, but it's a very strange background to come from to then convince yourself that you have just amassed more knowledge about climate change and pandemics and, you know, international relations and all that sort of stuff. Just just the that true, uh, that true self-confidence of the truly incompetent. Kind of totally. going on. Totally. I was listening to his his um he he did a podcast with with um and you know one of Australia's leading conspiracy theorists Pete Evans, a friend of the show, have, Pete Evans. Yeah, yeah. friend of the show. <laughs> and uh, he was talking through his his origin story into politics, and he was saying, "Oh, you know, before I got involved, I was kind of involved in the local chamber of commerce." And um, I mean, his his real like his real passion was was lower taxes for companies. That's um, his calling, and he just making tells the world st- a better place. Yep. Yeah, exactly. And he, he he tells this story about how he goes to see the local MP, um, 
and he, you know, just makes his case saying, you know, we need lower taxes. And she like closes the door and says, I, I want you to run in my seat. I- I'm standing down. Can you take over for me? <laughs> <laughs> like, that's all it took. And then, and then he's just like, and then like, you know, a- apparently she'd asked heaps of people and everyone had said no, but you know, I took it and um, the rest is history. And that's apparently all you have to do. This is these are the uh, awesome entry requirements of the Liberal Party, I guess. Is that you have to be willing to stand in a room and say, "I think taxes should be lower," and they all go, oh, "By George, he's got it!" <laughs> this guy, he's got a real ingenue. This forty-six-year-old, forty-six-year-old <laughs> weirdo barging into my office. You know, you were saying that uh, he's kind of like the character from from a movie that you've seen pop up. I I feel like Craig Kelly sees himself as the character in all those movies like, um, you know, like 2012 and Independence Day and stuff like that, where there's somebody who has this information and no one else will listen to it. And they're, yeah. they're trying to get into the right room with the president with all their jumbled up papers saying, you've got to <laughs> listen to me. And everybody figure. goes, yeah, yeah. And everyone's like, shut up, you idiot. And um and Craig has to has to just take it back to his Facebook once more. They won't listen to me. They won't let me drink the bleach. <laughs> <laughs> so so I guess let's uh give people a bit of context who aren't aware of, of Craig and his business. What is the primary issue that Craig is causing throughout the COVID nineteen pandemic? So Craig's the his driving force is his passion for these disproven or unproven um, COVID treatments, which are either like anti-malarials or horse dewormer. He sees these as the real solution to to all of this COVID nonsense. You know, he constantly. Um, he, you know, constantly says lockdowns aren't necessary. He says that wearing masks is is wrong. In fact, it's it's child abuse to force children to wear them. Um, he even has, I think, at, at times, has kind of alluded to being an anti-vaxxer. He hasn't explicitly said I'm against it, but he's been very, very skeptical and kind of used that rhetoric. But all this time, he's just like he's really spent the the better part of 2020 just posting maniacally at. Mostly through all hours of the night, you know, weird links to fringe uh, publications or interviews with French doctors that he like translated himself through Google Translate, all making the case for for <laughs> drugs that um, that really don't help at all. Now, in in fairness, we also read articles that we have put through Google Translate on this show, but we're not usually pressing for changes to public policy as a result of the articles that we're reading out. That's the next step for you guys, I think. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, ban the Dutch from coming into this country. That's uh, got some of the positions we're going to be taking. I, yeah, it's, um, so part of the reason I guess that it's problematic is because he seems to have a pretty outsized influence on Facebook, right? Um, yeah, he's 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 massive on Facebook. Um, that's that's really the reason why I started paying attention to him and 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 why I've kind of been, you know, on him rather than um, you know there there are plenty of other members in the coalition party room, um, you know, the government's party room who I think 
also have similarly ridiculous kind of like ideas that they found through Facebook. Um, he is really, really massive on Facebook. He, um, you know, depending on which way you slice the data, when you look at it, is either the top politician or sometimes he's just behind Scott Morrison and Dan Andrews, who are both obviously very big. Um, and his like his reach, you know, the his the amount of engagement he gets, where he gets like, you know, he's had literally millions of shares over the last month are just all him just sharing like time and time again these kind of like um you know like uh, not well known like publications and and making the case you know accusing dan andrews of of workplace manslaughter for not letting um for not letting them use this like you know anti-malarial to treat covid um, you know, he just, he's posts so much and it's all about in, in, you know, essentially trying to promote this drug, but you know, really what he's doing is undermining all the other, you know, developments and vaccines and public health measures out there. And it's been incredibly successful. Like, you know, like I said before, his posts have been shared literally millions of times. You know, when I looked at it over the last six months, his posts had been shared, I think like two and a half times more than Scott Morrison, Dan Andrews. Um, Australia's medical regulator, the Therapeutic Goods Administration, Australia's Department of Health, two and a half times more than all of them put together in the last six months. You know, during a pandemic, um, when everyone's supposed to be paying attention to, you know, actual science. Uh, it might be a controversial stance, but I don't think that's good. <laughs> that seems bad to me. <laughs> Look, hey, I'm a, I'm a journalist. I can't take sides in this, but I... I... <laughs> Stay objective. I'll, I'll leave that one to you. <laughs> Let's hear both sides of the uh, of the horse horse drug <laughs> argument. Yeah, it's um, I guess so that that stuff is kind of interesting because I know that you've also spoken about um, like you've also written pieces about how the cranks on Sky News, which are generally pretty roundly dismissed in like sort of through the Australian media landscape. So you people like um you know, Alan Jones and Andrew Bolt and Rowan Dean. Um Craig Kelly has done a whole bunch of appearances on the Australian version of Sky News and specifically what's known locally as Sky News After Dark, which is basically after they have their uh normal news on through the day and then in the evenings they get into just uh weird right wing crank opinion hour uh it's probably the closest thing we have to a localized version of you know the sort of the fox news weirdos like sean hannity and that sort of stuff and i think that that stuff gets very very dismissed in australia um by people as you know just oh it's really silly and they've got a tiny audience when it comes to broadcast and subscribers and all that kind of thing but i saw a piece that you had written a little while ago about the sort of second life that that content has on the internet, uh, that that gets shared and disseminated, particularly in other countries, way, way more widely than it ever gets sort of watched in its original format on television here. Yeah, exactly. So Sky News Australia is um, owned by a news corp and it is a, you know, it's ostensibly a television station. It goes through Foxtel, which is our cable news here, and it's now also in free-to-air in some regional areas. But, you know, its its audience on those in terms of normal television numbers is, is nothing. You know, very, very few people 
watch it in comparison to you know your normal nightly news but it is having this um it's finding a really massive audience online um over the last now i think 18 months um since you know for whatever reason there was a bit of a change in the company they really started focusing on this digital um, production and now you know they're they're in terms of their reach, I'd say they're probably they're up there with any of the other Australian ones, and they're just about to overtake Austra- uh, the ABC as Australia's most subscribed to um, YouTube channel f- of of television stations. So, you know, we're really seeing it gain this massive audience online, and and that is the same thing with Craig Kelly as well. You know, he has this massive audience, and you know, I very much doubt that they're all. You know, the most of the people probably are even from Australia. They are international as well. But, you know, that's the way that all information works now. It's not like it used to be where you'd read your local paper and then sit down and watch, you know, probably the state broadcast of a television um, news bulletin. You're getting your stuff from everywhere. And, and, and that means that you're also able to find, you know, even what might be a small proportion of the population in your area. So, you know, say there's you know, only a couple of, you know, 10,000 people who really want to use horse dewormer or whatever in Australia. But, you know, if you look at the rest of the world, the population, there might be, you know, many, you know, there might be a million people, there might be more. So we're kind of seeing, um, you know, it goes both ways. These people are able to find a global audience, but also, you know, their ideas are influenced by other global information sources. Like, you know, Craig Kelly, he, you know, he finds all these, you know, weird, like, Brazilian um, publications yeah. or, like, whatever that he uses to justify this, like, crank science. But, you know, like, I still haven't quite got to the bottom of where he finds this stuff. My assumption is he's a massive Facebook user, so I'm sure he's just trawling through his feeds or whatever and just finds this in weird Facebook groups. But, you know, that kind of stuff, uh, you know, he wouldn't be, I think, promoting this in the same way if he also wasn't plugged into these... Um, you know, kind of anti-lockdown, probably like an, like anti-vaxxer communities um, that that can provide this information. So you know, I, I, he really summarize he he really sums up and and same with Sky News about how we're all existing in this international kind of poisoned ecosystem where um this information is swirling around. I guess another fairly recent development with Sky News is that um. I mean, it's it's a thing that, um, you know, some Australian journalists have talked about for a long time is that basically the Australian media landscape is where, you know, careers that have already been killed in bigger media markets come to, like, live out their retirement, basically. Yeah, t- totally, totally. Like, we have... Um... Uh, like Lauren Southern, who was yeah. essentially like like the leading, um, you know, one of the leading figures of the alt right in like 2016 to 2018. If you don't know who she is, she, um, you know, uh, she promoted you know racist conspiracy theories. She's was outright anti-Islamophobic. She even like legitimately was on a like a boat that tried to intercept a boat of refugees um, and to, to to stop them because she has really embodied this kind of uh, pretty, like, not even covert anymore, like, almost just outright white supremacy. So she... Oh, she, she was, was doing those, do- those documentaries about, like, the... Um, white genocide in South Africa myths. And- totally, totally. She's been all over it. And she um, kind of... 
like in 20, I think 2018, she peaced out and just kind of disappeared from, from that kind of world for a bit. And then about a year later, she posted a video um, that uh, said, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm out. Like, I'm, I'm not really doing this anymore. And actually two days before she'd um, applied for an, a visa to Australia, she got it to see a partner here. And then she just got given this like, um, you know, she, she's a regular uh, commentator on Sky News Australia. You know, this person who literally, you know, put up a video saying that this, you know, promoting this white supremacist theory that, you know, whites are being bred out by, um, you know, non-white people and they're taking over. Like that kind of person, she, she never like, um, she never apologized. She never said, I divorced myself from these ideas. She just kind of like, <laughs> like took a gap year and then she was welcomed with open arms by a significant Australian television channel. Like, she, she, like, sorry, I get, like, so fired up about this stuff, but, like, she wouldn't get a regular appearance on Fox News in the US. Her her views have been too extreme. But here, for whatever reason in Australia, we're just happy to take people like this and give them a gig, and um, now she, she's on air all the time. Uh, which, yeah, and that's what's so bizarre about it, is that these are people who... Basically, you know, like um, like Milo Yiannopoulos, people who finally had enough reputational damage for uh, like social media platforms to say you can't have an account on here anymore, for like payment processing services to say we're not going to let you operate through us, all that sort of thing, to a point where they have just finally said, you know what, this has been effective enough that I can't actually continue to spread this stuff anymore. And Sky News is here to say, "Oh, that's fine. You can have you can have a career with us. We'll we'll pay you for this stuff." Yeah, we'll take you. I, yeah, I, 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 I think... saw that um, Katie Hopkins has popped up on Sky News Australia now as well, and she's another person who basically had spent years just just being uh, an incredibly inflammatory, hard right wing, um, you know. Uh, political news presence in the UK for a really long time and it finally got to a point where people were just like no no this person is just virulently racist um, and has horrible takes about everything and finally got drummed out of a bunch of places and there she is popping up on Sky News Australia totally and not just Sky News Australia like I think it was was it just over a year ago or maybe two years ago that was it today or, or one of the breakfast shows um, one of their hosts might have been Carl Stefanovic did the special on like Meghan Markle and the royal family and they just like got her on like they got Katie Hopkins this someone who you know really doesn't have <laughs> any qualifications other other than being like a well-known racist and well at that time was essentially like not on UK television that much anymore but Australia was like yeah we'll we'll, we'll take her on and put her on a major television channel and you know I think part of this is um is because Australians, we have this, like, we have a cultural cringe for ourselves, but we also have this, like, reverse where we have this, like, reverence from for anyone who's overseas. So, like, you know, when when Milo Yiannopoulos, who I, I can't remember at the time if it was before or after he got outed for defending, uh, essentially, like, you know, people having sex with underage people. Um, but it certainly was after that it was revealed that he was uh, working with Steve Bannon and, and intentionally laundering white supremacist ideas. You know, people were like, yeah, bring him on. Like, we, we can't wait to have him on because they're just so excited by it. Um, and I think in part because people, you know, a lot of people in Australian media are, are, are divorced 
from the realities of you know what it's like to be you know a person of color or someone from you know who's um culturally or linguistically diverse in australia um, because our australian media is so white well and i guess you know from that news corp perspective as well you already have andrew bolt on there and he's written i mean we spoke about it on the show when he published a piece that was effectively just you know in the in the country's most circulated newspaper a whole full page spread of him writing replacement theory stuff yeah um and you know he's he's also been convicted under 18c of racial discrimination and none of this will ever get uh you know them to drop him or anything like that because he just has too much of a readership but i guess you know i was i was sort of thinking of this in the context of um what you had been saying about how Craig Kelly's views get disseminated to this very wide audience um, outside of sort of mainstream media. And I think it's it's very easy for people to be dismissive of this idea that like, oh, you know, Craig Kelly's a bit of a loon. He gets on something like Q&A if he can and everybody laughs at him or he goes on you know, he goes on this show in the UK and everybody goes, oh, you're just some raving dipshit. But to his audience, he's someone who is his very large audience. He's someone who's out there fighting for this stuff. And then you couple that with things like Sky News, which he puts in a lot of appearances on, and they in turn are having this huge second life for their content in the digital world outside of their actual pay TV subscribership. And what I guess it turns into is people who could not get an audience anymore in American and British markets for peddling all of their very extreme right-wing views are suddenly able to revive those careers in a way that continues to be distributed in those markets via YouTube and via Facebook and that sort of thing without having to be hired and paid for by anyone in those markets. Yeah, yeah, we're, exactly. We're doing it for them and funneling it back through to the same channels. And you know, like you know, Sky News is is making money off it. They they monetize their YouTube channel, so you know they're they're profiting directly off this stuff. Um, yeah, it's like it kind of it does boggle the mind a bit. I think the thing is 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 you know there are people out there who still um, give credibility to people because of who they are or, or because of what they are. And by that, I mean like, you know, Craig Kelly is an MP. So when, you know, you see an MP coming out and being like, oh, like, you know, these experts in the government don't know what they're talking about. Well, like, you know, maybe if you're someone who knows who Craig Kelly is and you're like, oh, he's a loon, as you, meant, as you mentioned, or, or if you've, you know, paid attention to the many people who've covered him and said he doesn't know what he's talking about. But if you don't know, you're just like, oh, maybe there's something there. And, you know, there are plenty of people who are emboldened by that. And the same way the Sky News, the fact that, like, you know, they are happy to give a platform to people and, and you know, not essentially do anything to ensure that what you're hearing is, you know, the truth or balanced. You're kind of, you know, you're, you're putting out their pretty damaging ideas, uh, giving them a platform, giving them legitimacy. And, um, you know, it, it can really affect people. And, and you know, often, like, I'll be talking about, you know, Craig Kelly, you know, oh, it's bad that he's doing this. And it is a bit divorced from what the, the consequences are. But 
the consequences are stuff like, you know, hydroxychloroquine, this drug that he's like consistently promoted. Like it's a legitimate drug that's used for uh, things like, I think Lyme disease. I know it's used for treating malaria. There's a shortage or there has been a shortage in Australia because people are buying it and they're trying to use it and it doesn't help with COVID, but they're making it harder for people who legitimately need to get it. Um, when I, I used a freedom of information request to kind of get, <laughs> I got Craig's emails between him and uh, Australia's top medical experts, you know, someone who's in, who leads the TGA, so the medical regulator, and the other person who's leading this task force, that is Australia's top medical experts that's trying to figure out, hey, how do we deal with COVID? And, um, you know, he's in there advocating for it, uh, you know, and, and they're politely refuting essentially everything that he says, being like, that's not a legit study or that's a misunderstanding or like whatever. But one other thing that got caught up in it was that I also got all these complaints. You know, there are people in the public who are saying, I don't like that he's promoting stuff that isn't real because I, I see people I know believe it. Or even like people asking, like, I've, I've seen Craig Kelly talking about this drug should I take it? Is is that legit? And and that's that's the area where you can have like potential harm, even if he is, um, you know, criticised by Scott Morrison as he kind of has, you know, he's been given a bit of a slap now. And now, to be honest, even when he gets probably not returned to Parliament because it looks like he's going to lose pre-selection, um, you know, the 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 damage in a way is already done. Yeah, it, it's one hundred percent done. I mean, I think it's. It's very hard to kind of say that we're experiencing anything but a total kind of, um, I don't know, the, the tendrils of conspiracy have made its made their way completely into society now to the point where, um, you know, it, it used to be this thing where, you know, there'd be one raving nutter on the street and everyone would laugh at them or what have you. But now it, it's, it's part of it's part of society um, because nobody knows how to how to tell the the real from the from the fake. You know, I was on um, a f- um, I'm part of like a local Facebook group um, because there was a cat that was attacking my chickens, and um, <laughs> turns out had a bit of a reputation. Um, and someone posted about where to where best to buy masks when we had the three day lockdown in Brisbane. You know, a couple of weeks back, and it just devolved into this thing about you know masks being bullshit, coronavirus being bullshit, um, you know, so on and so forth. And these are people you know in your area. My my neighbour will hit me up about like, hey, you know, um, you're you're working in energy at the moment. What um, you know, what about all the the cancer that people are getting from transmission towers and that sort of thing? And you just go, well, that's that's bullshit. And again, like this used to be something that that was was fringe and and um, they're still fringe beliefs, but they're they're absolutely kind of just making soaking their way through like just through these the the osmosis that we've allowed to occur because we've we've got all these holes that are in facebook and and um nobody's doing anything to plug them um that it's it's just continuing to get worse and worse and and the fact that the the you know craig kelly is a, a man of some legitimacy in in his position um as are many others you know um moon unit fucking malcolm roberts um <laughs> Is, is I think a, a reflection of that. Yeah, totally. And and you know these platforms as well. I should also say encourage this because, you know, when when like I have no doubt that Craig thinks that he has support for this because he posts 
you know, this loony stuff and the the many, many conspiracists or anti-vaxxers out there who support him and believe he's telling the truth or whatever, they give him feedback. You know, they like his posts, they share his posts and that kind of feedback, you know, encourages people to kind of keep on going. Like, you know, there, there is a world in which Craig posts this stuff and no one engages with it. So he kind of moves on because he thinks it's not that important. You know, it, 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 it's an unfortunate reality that platforms encourage often quite emotive, very strong, uh, not very nuanced language. And um, I, th- I think we should also, you know, see in all of that, um, that, you know, the systems which are working in, they're encouraging, uh, I think, like, you know, rhetoric, not to get too, like, lofty about this, that is ultimately undermining um, trust in, in all these systems. And, yeah, I think, you know, one of the big things about the internet has been that they've gotten rid of gatekeepers. And so that means, you know, a lot of people have been able to produce content who've been traditionally uh, excluded from areas. Like, you know, like this podcast is is probably an example of that. Like, you know, you're able to broadcast and reach heaps and heaps of people and that's yeah, great. and it's we really shouldn't be. And, <laughs> and if, if anyone reasonable had their say, you would not exactly. be able to do this. But... Um, but but yeah, like I mean, it's, but I mean, so that's been a, you know a great thing, and it's allowed communities to grow. But it, it's not like that. It's of course that's a good thing in some times, but it's not always a good thing. It allows these conspiracy theories to grow, these communities to grow, and also in a way encourages this kind of thinking because you know I always think back, like say back in the you know early two thousands or something, if you were like. And say, let's just say we, we were just back then, we didn't have the internet as we have it now, um, but COVID was happening. And you went down to the local and you were like, you know what? I've been thinking about trying out this like horse dewormer. I, I reckon that's going to have a, 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 I reckon that's going to help us out. People would stare at you and be like, you're a weirdo. You're being weird. Like, stop doing that. And that's actually like, in in some cases, that can be a pretty useful thing. You know, like, would we all be better off if someone just sat Craig down and told him, don't do this at the start, and he didn't get sucked into this kind of like, you know, system that's encouraging it. Um, but, you know, that's what we have now. And, and, and I think we're going to be seeing this have a massive effect on our politics and all kind of debates um, until these systems well, change. Well, in Craig Kelly's defense, he was, his doctor already had him on that horse dewormer. So it's, but, but like you're a hundred percent right. Like the the thing, one of the most infuriating things I can see in the comments section of, of these things is anyone's entitled to their opinion, and I don't know where people came to this conclusion that everybody should be entitled to their opinion. Nobody should be entitled to a fucking opinion. Opinions are terrible. Like opinions are, are awful, <laughs> awful things. And and this is sort of what what you know this this Facebook group was getting into about the masks and that sort of thing. And and I said, well, why why do you why do you believe that you are entitled to your opinion? You don't have you don't hold any domain expertise. You don't you know there's there's nothing in your opinion that is um, you know backed up by a foundation of of knowledge. Why why do people believe that they are entitled to to an opinion? Right, the, the, uh, we we, it, it. I think there's a lot of this American free speech kind of coming into it, where you know just because you can something doesn't mean you should. Um, and honestly, we should just do away with opinions. Too many opinions. Opinions. We're canceling we're, we're opinions. opinions. Shutting down the show. <laughs> pushing the big red button. I think uh, so. This sort of brings us to another issue in the Craig Kelly saga, which is what you were saying about why has someone not sat him down earlier and said, "Could you shut the fuck up about this for a minute, please?" Because there's there's been the strange situation in the past where 
for the previous two pre-selections in Craig Kelly's seat, a prime minister has intervened to stop somebody else from standing for election in the same seat for the Liberals. Um, first, it was Tony Abbott, who came in and said, hey, popular local person, you, I'm saying you're not allowed to run against Craig Kelly. Uh, then that also happened under Malcolm Turnbull. Obviously, there are sort of um, opinions about why this might have happened, because... Uh, for for various reasons, like in Malcolm Turnbull's situation, he always had the the hatred of the right wing of his own party as a threat and, to him, and because he was and a coward, not yeah. helping Craig Kelly, and a massive Horrible coward. Little sniveling in fact, we often, hat. yep, um, we we always become extremely mad on this show whenever we see any instance of Malcolm Turnbull saying, "And you can thank me for same sex marriage." Um, having, you know, basically been forced to do it by the population at large and insisting on doing it the worst way possible to give all the shittiest people in his own party as much airtime to hurt as many people as possible in the process. And uh, I saw a comment from him in a piece about Craig Kelly uh, that said, Meanwhile, Mr. Turnbull, who helped save Mr. Kelly from losing pre-selection in 2016, said, quote, of course there should be an open pre-selection in Hughes. I supported one in 2019. Back in 2016, there was a collective view to not encourage Kent Johns to challenge Craig Kelly, but that was a very low-key intervention. <laughs> oh, thank you, sitting Prime Minister, who moved in and told, uh, apparently told the guy who was going to challenge that he would give him a job doing something else if he didn't run against Craig Kelly. Very low-key. Very yeah. okay. <clears throat> Nothing more low key than the prime minister. Do you, asking it rules that to for every belief that Malcolm Turnbull has. There's an example of him um, just being like yeah. strong armed to go against that belief, and, and he him doing so with like very little convincing. It was definitely was, one of the most stop hitting yourself. Why are you hitting yourself? Prime ministerships in history. <laughs> he is. He is the most purple nobled <laughs> prime minister in our country's history. <laughs> I think. Um, yeah, so so obviously there's the weird issue of the interventions from previous prime ministers to stop this uh, weird unit with all the conspiracy theories. And, and, you know, like you said, Cam, looking back through Australian political history, all those times when people were like, what's this extremely weird guy massively fucking up in public uh, <laughs> doing? And it was Craig Kelly the whole time. So... Yeah, you kind of you wind up with this situation where they've been protecting him, obviously due to some kind of internal transactional element. But what's resulted in the intervening time is that he's been able to amass this large following on social media. He's able to constantly disseminate all this misinformation. And it's the type of misinformation and conspiracy theory stuff. Like, you know, he, he went on Pete Evans's podcast and said... Big government is stopping doctors from prescribing the horse medicine to people. And it's like, what do you do for a job again? <laughs> you are big government. <laughs> you, are, you are in big government. And um, so even if he does wind up losing pre-selection before this, this election and doesn't get to run for his seat again, he will still exit that scenario having, you know, 80,000 plus Facebook followers who all reshare all of this content millions of times and he'll get to do it in the narrative of I was silenced for speaking the truth 
I was censored by big government for standing up for you, the little people who want the horse medicine. Totally, totally. Censored for truth. And, I mean, the thing that... Um a lot of people have been paying to him attention to him now because of the COVID stuff, but he has been someone who has pushed like just you know false information, you know fake news, whatever you want to call it, for a really really long time before it was COVID. His favorite thing was to try and disprove climate change by like every day he'd post an article from like from Russia being like it's negative forty degrees there because it's winter, <laughs> and then he'd be like so much for global warming, more like. like- global cooling <laughs> like like and, and he would be like oh this prediction made like 40 years ago like didn't come true whatever he, he like he has for his entire career promoted these kinds of anti-science views from inside government and you know it's funny that you know Malcolm Turnbull the supposedly like pro science uh what was he at uh, agile and uh, <laughs> whatever prime minister he was, you know, he, he stepped in to save them as well. And ultimately that was because, um, you know, they only had a one seat majority in the house, if I recall correctly. So it was a something, you know, as an act of, of political, uh, you know, is, is for, for themselves. That's why they couldn't afford to keep him. They couldn't, they had to keep him on side, but like he has been doing this for a long time. And, and even if he stops posting, about uh, COVID treatments or whatever, he'll just go back and he already has gone back to like promoting coal and stuff. You know, this guy clearly, you know, he loves to do his own research. He clearly does not have an expertise in anything. And he also already has, um, you know, already ideas about what he thinks about the world and tries to find evidence from these many sources that he engages with that proves his own beliefs. And and that's ultimately damaging. Like, you know, I joked before that I'm a journalist, I don't have views. And I do try and keep any personal political views that I have out of my public appearances. But, you know, the idea of journalism as like a both sides, like, well, like, you know, if one person says climate change is happening, the other person says it's not happening, you know, that's all bullshit. What journalism should do is it should have um, some values that you stand for because everyone has their own um, ideas and biases. And one thing that I'm like unapolog- uh, unapologetically standing for is the idea that, you know, you should be paying attention to the truth. And, and the fact is that, you know, these uh, COVID treatments, they don't like they don't work. They really, really don't work. You know, global uh, uh, climate change is happening and calling it out shouldn't be a political thing at all. It should just be like, this guy is just being a doofus. He's using his platform to promote ideas that are going to ultimately hurt us all in some way or the other. And, um, you know, just because he isn't necessarily a front bencher doesn't mean he can't have a really, really big impact encouraging people to believe um, what ideas that will ultimately often lead people to act in ways that aren't actually in their own best self-interests. And it is it is weird having that kind of cycle of, you know, a, a behavior that we have seen that I think a lot of people consider uh, potentially harmful, which is people who now primarily use one social media platform as their window into the world online. Um, I, I think that there would be a lot of people out there, myself included, who use a social media platform, have curated a list of, you know, groups, uh, individuals that they follow, news organizations that they get things from, and they create their own little, their own little channel of these are things that conform to my pre-existing point of view. And 
it's very weird to have people within government who have access to, you know, the, the research and reports of the actual bodies, you know, that our government has set up to, to kind of investigate these things. And they complete, not only do they not seek out any of that stuff, they're actively refuting it a lot of the time, like Craig Kelly and the Bureau of Meteorology, that kind of thing. And instead, they're in this little little world of their own making where it's just about finding things that match up with something that you already believe. But in this instance, we have one of those people who has ascended to a position in a sitting government and uses the same technique to find their information and then disseminates that to people on those same platforms using, using the same set of beliefs. And then they also get the legitimacy of this is a, a government minister who's doing this. Totally. It is and, like a... Oh, yeah, you go, Cam. No, I was just going to say, and like, you know, from these emails that I got with him going back and forth with literally like the head of Australia's medical regulator and the head of the COVID medicines task force, you know, he's sending these like, you know, these diatribes with like, you know, dozens of links, like they look like, um, yeah, I don't know if you ever get like deranged uh, emails from your like parents, but that's what it looks like. And these people who like are literally in the middle of the pandemic, they are dealing like, you know, the, the date of the emails was in August. So when there were 400 daily cases of COVID every day, they're having to spend their time kind of trying to coddle this person who isn't paying attention. Um, there, there are many ways in which someone who in this you know position of power, both in terms of people paying attention to them, but literally because of the, the position that they have, can just make everything a whole lot worse for us. And, you know, at the end of the day, Craig Kelly doesn't have to have an opinion on COVID treatments. He could just leave it to the expert. He's going out of his way to do this because he thinks that he knows best and he's ignoring when people politely and, and reasonably explain why he's not because at the end of the day this is about something clearly other than trying to you know get the best treatment it's about trying to promote the ideas that he likes trying to dissuade from people ideas that he doesn't like um not trying to help actually like us deal with a pandemic and and i think mm. um like you're dead on there cam and there's there's that old um Oh, was saying, or I can't remember where it came from, but that basically it takes much longer to um, refute a lie than to, you know, prove, uh, you know, something, something's true sort of thing. So, you know, we've got, um, you see people get online and they say, well, you know, um, you cure coronavirus by staring directly at the sun for 15 minutes a day. And then, you know, you have all of these very smart, sensible people having to spend a lot of their time going, actually, no, no, that's not true. That's, you know, we, you can see this, that and the other, all of these studies that they're not going to read. And that's sort of. I mean, you don't even have to go to freedom of information requests for this. You know, you can read it in the Hansard, right? Like the the log of um, proceedings in in Australian government. Um, with you know, uh, bring up Malcolm Roberts again, total moon unit. You know, promoting these fucking conspiracy <laughs> theories to very smart, um, you know, civil servants, and them, you know, not recorded, but you can hear them shaking their head and sighing, kind of very patiently. And it takes time. And it's time wasting, right? It's it takes up oxygen and it takes up visibility to deal with these things and in effect it just gives it more visibility and i think you know what you were saying with with journalists needing to take a stand you know stuff like um having the word refuted in the headline of articles having the the position of this um the ridiculous of whatever um it is that we're discussing in the lead of the articles and i think something that i've seen online for the last little while as well is instead of trying to refute people that that 
you know, say, well, climate change is a is a liberal conspiracy or blah, blah, blah. Just telling them to shut the fuck up. And it's 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 <laughs> equally as effective and it saves you a lot of time. And I think it delegitimizes immediately the position that they're taking right so i think a lot of this time that we're that we're spending with chief medical officers um you know sending articles to these people and and blah blah blah, is in a way legitimizing their complete nutso point of view by by giving it time and and oxygen when really um they the media us on twitter facebook should be just telling them to shut the fuck up shut up shut up shut up stop (laughs) it's not it's not real. Shut up. Like, that's it. That's the well, that's the legitimate answer that it deserves. Well, part of the reason that him going on uh, that, that show in the UK during the bushfires was such a sort of viral moment uh, was because the host said... Yeah, shut the fuck bullshit. up. Like, like, the thing you're talking about just isn't true. And that, you know, I think to some segments of media obviously that's like this this big revelation but um so so i did want to ask about something in in this kind of uh from this perspective of i don't know journalistic integrity or how these things get start discussed in a kind of journalistic level i was curious to kind of pick your brain about um how the story has been handled in the media about Craig Kelly supposedly being given a dressing down by the Prime <laughs> Minister. Because, obviously, as as we've discussed at length, this guy has been a minister for 11 years. He has been circulating crackpot views of one kind or another for the entire time. He just has a larger audience now. Um, and, you know, also... I guess this is the first time that it's been views that he's been disseminating that are kind of directly contradicting something that is doing like good polling numbers for the government because I I think the government is broadly seen in opinion polls as having handled the pandemic well um and and he's out here saying oh no all the the vaccines and the treatments are bullshit and they're not letting you do the right thing all that sort of stuff so, you know, when he was saying climate change is bullshit and we should build another Hazelwood coal power plant, <laughs> there's obviously a big section of the Liberal Party and the Nationals particularly that are saying, yes, absolutely, we should be doing that. Yeah, like a little um, a little re- relief valve that's distant enough from the core of the party that they can kind of not make it official, but it's there. Yeah. It's letting in horrible little farts. Whereas, yeah, I think that, um, you know, Scott Morrison is a transactional politician and he's looking at this stuff as, oh, this is finally starting to have a bit of a bit of a negative impact on the view of how the government is handling the pandemic. And so he's been asked about this a bunch of times, has refused to refute the views of Craig Kelly a whole bunch of times. Then he had his, and now I'm, I'm not 100% clear on the timeline here, but he had his National Press Club address and he got asked by um, Laura Tingle about, hey, doesn't this kind of undermine the efforts of the government and all the money that you're spending on you know, public awareness campaigns to let people know that it's good to get the vaccine and you should do it and everything when you have your own ministers out here in the public saying... 
ah, it's all a hoax and it's all bullshit and you should actually be using this other kind of medicine instead. And he pretty much, you know, just waved it away as like, oh, well, I don't go and see Craig Kelly for my medical (laughs) advice. You should go to an official government website instead. Despite the fact that, as you had said, Cam, you know, the things that he posts are circulated much more widely than people actually visiting those websites. And he's just kind of brushed all this stuff off. And then a an article appears in uh, in the media in on news.com.au saying, oh, the Prime Minister has called Craig Kelly in and read him the riot act and told him to stop doing all this stuff. So there's that dealt with. And I, I'm curious about this from a journalistic perspective because the way that this appears to me, uh, the layman or common idiot of the land, is that... Craig Kelly gets to do whatever the fuck he wants until it's finally not looking good for Scott Morrison. Scott Morrison's office, I guess, gives a drop to uh, whichever journalist saying, don't worry, he brought him in and spanked his bottom. And Craig said, I'm sorry. And so we get to have uh, a story circulated in a bunch of the most read newspapers in the country saying the Prime Minister has dealt with this. And somehow all without the Prime Minister ever having to say publicly what he's doing isn't acceptable as a minister in my government. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, his, you know, Scott Morrison's driving factor, it appears, has been to uh, avoid any, uh, I guess, coverage of you know disunity in the government or whatever and for a long time a long long time he's ignored uh, this misinformation that you know like you said uh, there's a lot of um, climate change denialists or at least people who are very much downplaying it and but that you know there's a lot of those in the party so that hasn't really gone against necessarily the sensibilities of, of everyone in the party but with this and and you know he he really is um on an island by himself or with a very small proportion of the party room, um, that kind of stuff, once it, it started to go against government policy, you know, again, they kind of left it because they didn't want to seem like, um, you know, they, they didn't want to seem like they were calling out a member of their own party. They are, after all, they, you know, they, they say we're the party of free speech, we're a broad church. Um, but what really happened was we saw it become a bigger and bigger issue because, I mean, well, he kept on doing it. I don't think that really changed. But, um, you know, more and more people have been paying attention to it. Uh, You know, particularly also, we just like, we we get to the point where there's going to be a vaccine. Like people in Australia will be vaccinated in like a month. So this idea that you can, you should be like, I guess, disparaging that and instead promoting, um, you know, like we said before, like horse deworm is a ridiculous idea and became more and more ridiculous. But once it became a bigger political liability, um, I mean, I would suspect that there was a judgment by the PM's office that 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 you know it, it became a issue to have been seen not to have done something. Um, but you know, the, the thing that I, the reason that I've reported on it, and as we've kind of discussed recently, is because you know I've been saying that he, regardless of whether the press gallery, regardless of whether you know a lot of um, Australian media have been paying attention to him or not, he has had a really really large. Uh, audience and impact for you know a long time now and and what scott morrison has and and what you know other political figures in the party have you know the leaders they also have a very big platform themselves and they can draw attention to the fact that you know these 
are not truths that, that, that he's promoting these ridiculous um, treatments. And so, you know, clearly what happened is there was a political calculation um, that they wanted to do something about it. But I think that there was already a lot of um, kind of damage that was done. And, and if, if the government was really worried about making sure that, you know, during a pandemic that like the right public health information was getting out, if that's what they were basing the decisions off, they, they clearly didn't do very well. And so that's why I think it's very hard to view this as anything but a kind of, uh, but a, um, a political uh, move or something that was about, you know, I guess, realizing that it was getting to the point where they had to do something. Um, but I, th- I think that's really unfortunate. And we've kind of seen already, you know, Craig has not paid attention to that. I think he took like a day off posting, <laughs> which is a long time for him. And then has since like, I think he's he's um, posting about these um, treatments in a more less direct way. He's been linking to interviews that other people have done on like radio talking about that. Um, I think that we really just like, you know, in all of this, that people who are... Um, you know, have these big audiences on social media are often given these audiences, like we kind of said before, by the fact that they are an MP or the fact often, you know, they are promoted in traditional media. You know, you see, you know, TV um, hosts and reporters or or even, you know, movie stars and whatever, they often have massive followings on social media, despite the fact that they are obviously predominantly a traditional, in a traditional format. Um, So they've played a big role in kind of promoting these ideas. And they also have the opportunity to like call it out. Like if Scott Morrison went up, uh, you know, before last week and said, what Craig Kelly is saying is wrong. We listen to the advice, you know, we and we know that the government does not support the use of hydroxychloroquine or whatever. That could have a really big impact. We know that people pay attention to that. The fact that they didn't, again, shows that they don't really, it's not necessarily about what, information is necessarily getting out there in terms of the harm it's doing but more about any political cost and and that's why they decided to do something um hey Thea you know what I just got really depressed about no (laughs) remembering that Malcolm Roberts got re-elected yeah yeah came back drank from the poison cup again had another big drink of the Kool-Aid that guy oh boy all the Senate. Yep. Hey, look, if, if Craig wants to stay in Parliament, his his best bet would be to switch to the Senate. Because, um, you know, I, th- I think this is an interesting question. You know, he has made this big audience, you know, on Facebook, but they are very clearly spread throughout the world and certainly spread throughout Australia. And so, you know, it went, if he was going to stand for election in his current seat, I don't. Th- I think it'd be a really interesting test to see. Well, how much like what kind of boost can you get from having you know that kind of I guess conspiracy, uh, or at least you know kind of like anti-lockdown um, supporters versus the bad press of seeming and I guess acting like someone who's promoting um, junk science. Um, but yeah, I think you know we do see more of those French points of view in the Senate, um, and that's how <laughs> Malcolm and other people have managed to hang around. Oh boy, what a world we live in. And I guess, like, you know, it's 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 interesting to look at when you're comparing it to, say, current events in the US, where you've got them, uh, like, deciding whether to censure, say, Marjorie Taylor Greene, who uh, has, like, openly called for executing Nancy Pelosi and... <laughs> has speculated that maybe the California forest fires were started by a Rothschild Jewish space laser. 
and you know all that sort of very cool stuff and that's that's just a kind of politician that they have now yeah, uh, it, yeah. In, <laughs> they're, yeah. They're, they're true posters you know they'll um they post their way into parliament or uh into congress and then they kind of get there and you know even when they kind of at that point say you know they disavow it um as like you know craig ostensibly did earlier in the week you know he said i am supporting the vaccine rollout and even as um Marjorie Green Taylor said, "You know, oh, I don't, I don't believe that the wildfires were started by Jewish space lasers or whatever." But by that point, they've already got this devoted um, audience who, 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 you know, are sophisticated enough to know that um, even if someone says something like that, you know, they may be kind of playing the game as well. Um, so I, I think, unfortunately, this is part of of politics that is that is here to stay, particularly as other parts of politics don't do everything they can to distance themselves from it, to call it out. Um, I'm kind of conscious of the fact that this has been like a very serious, quite <laughs> depressing episode. I'm really sorry. We do it's them just, every I, now and then. It's yeah. fine. <laughs> but hey, look, I think, the, the, you know, the silver lining is that there, you know, there is this, you know, there's been a move against Craig Kelly in his own seat for, for a while. Like, you know, for the last two elections, like you said, prime ministers have had to come in and say, mm, please don't do that. Um, and if not for them, he probably wouldn't be the member. And now it clearly has become a political cost to the current government enough that they've decided, well, we're not going to, you know, eat up any of our political capital by trying to keep him around. So, you know, for, for better or for worse, um, you know, everyone's posting has worked. You know, calling him out, drawing attention to this has meant that it's very likely that Craig Kelly will not sit in the next um, parliament and um, I, I think you know our public health measures will be better off for it let's hope so are you tired of paying nothing for the same old superior quality free episodes of the Bunta Vista podcast do you want less politics and more content about diarrhea or animals gone wild are you tired of skipping through those hours upon hours of paid product placement for Mark Wahlberg film Shooter well, boy, do I have the offer of a lifetime for you. That's right, for just five US dollars a month, you too can be a premium VIP member of the Bunta Vista Patreon. That's right, just five US dollars for all of our bonus episodes. That's over 300 hours of content from the hosts you know and definitely tolerate. I'll even throw in access to our glamorous and exclusive Discord server, where bizarre arguments only happen once or twice a week at most. Head to patreon.com slash buntavista. Sign up in the next five minutes and I won't know because that's not my job, but you'll be enjoying the sweet satisfaction of supporting us and we will love you romantically for it. That's my promise to you. Speaking of, uh, I guess, people who are no longer in government, but still hold an influence uh, and are also crackpots, Ben, would you like to give us a little update on the postings of... I guess, guy we have spoken about on the podcast before a long time ago, libertarian wingnut David Lionholm. I would absolutely love to. I'm going to read... Um, Lane, Lane, Lane Holm? L- Lionholm. Okay. I'm going to l- read the text of a tweet here to you. Um, this is from David Lionholm, posted 4.26pm on February 2nd, 2021. In several countries, ivermectin is being used to treat COVID. For those who want some... This horse product is probably the most economical source. Enough to treat the street, too. Mm. I love it. As soon as someone says horse product, my ears. Huh? 
Yep. So I'll describe um, the product to you because he's what he's done is he's put a pack of it on the carpet in his house and taken a sort of flat lay image of it. Uh, it, it it's uh, a long rectangular prism sort of box, predominantly black, with a, a picture of uh, a sunset and the silhouette of two horses, one big, one small. The product is called Equimec. So this is horse medicine, <laughs> uh, very clearly, as he himself says, <laughs> straight up. Um, this is what the FDA has to say about ivermectin. Q, should I take ivermectin to prevent or treat COVID-19? A, no. While there are approved <laughs> uses for ivermectin in people and animals, it is not approved for the prevention or treatment of COVID-19. You should not take any medicine to treat or prevent COVID-19 unless it has been prescribed to you by your healthcare provider and acquired from a legitimate source. And as we know, uh, big government is stopping doctors from prescribing ivermectin to you. They would be giving you horse medicine hand over fist uh, if it wasn't for the big wigs in big government. Or sort of hand over hoof. No, they're, they're, um, the, the doctors are people. It's horse medicine because it's for horses, <laughs> not because it's from horses. It's not being prescribed by a horse doctor to another horse. It is not Dr. Horse, the medical horse, wearing a sort of a white coat with one of those reflector things on its head saying, nay, and giving you uh, some horse pills or human Act- pills, I guess. <laughs> uh, actually, I it's, more- it, it's Dr. Ed. <laughs> I don't think Dr. Ed went to medical school. Uh, can I just read uh, a couple of sentences to you from the Ivermectin Wikipedia page? Yes, please. Uh, so it is, you know, it's a medication used for treating some things. One of those things isn't COVID-19. Here are some things uh, that it is. Ivermectin is a medication used to treat many types of parasite infestations. In humans, this includes head lice, scabies, river blindness. <laughs> sorry, 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 what? River blindness. Oh, I hate it when I have a dip in the river, come back out. Who? Hey. Can't find my pants. Who's that there? <laughs> oh, no. I have become a struck down with river blindness. Uh, the list continues. Strongyloidiasis, mm-hmm. trichuriasis, ascariasis, and lymphatic filariasis. In veterinary medicine, it is used to prevent and treat heartworm and acariasis, among other indications. It can be taken by mouth or applied to the skin for external infestations. So if you've got an external case of COVID-19... Just rub that into, you know, the part of your forearm that the novel coronavirus has appeared, and I'm sure that'll probably work. <laughs> just getting... And if you've got river blindness, two birds, one stone. Just rub it straight into your eyes. <laughs> getting, getting COVID and rubbing ivermectin on, like, Vicks. Oh, God. Yeah. Under, uh, under your neck or gargling it just to make sure it's not in your throat either. Mm-hmm. I'm also enjoying the thought of enough to treat the street, too. Oh. Like, you get in the old ice cream van going down the road with uh, green sleeves. <laughs> Get your horse medicine. All the kids are like, oh, horse medicine for me, Papa. And they're running out to <laughs> Stand- horse medicine. Have you lost your sense the- of smell? Come and have some horse medicine. Well, bye. <laughs> Case of river blindness? Come see me at number 10. <laughs> We've got the sound on, so you can just follow the green sleeves. Uh, it is probably worth noting, um, not that this makes him in any way qualified to treat uh, COVID-19 with horse medicine, at least in humans. Or, or to be a senator. Or anything. Uh, he has a degree in veterinary science. Uh, and he was briefly a practicing veterinarian before he moved into 
sort of more marketing roles in the agricultural space. Oh, so huh. he's the horse doctor. He is the horse doctor. He is Dr. Ed, the horse doctor. Hmm. There you go. Well, I think that that about does it for the moment. Uh, <laughs> thank you, Cam, for joining us. <laughs> Thanks very much, Chance. And where where can people read your musings and your your tracking of Craig Kelly and his whereabouts? <laughs> yeah, if you'd like to follow along, uh, probably easiest just to get me on Twitter where I'm at Cameron Wilson. Excellent. Great. And uh, we are currently doing... I'm. I'm going to continue to call it freemium freebrewery, where our bonus episodes will be free for the month. So if you are subscribed, you will get a get a little dose, a little free taste, a free application of horse medicine directly into your ears. The first four tastes are free, depending on how many Thursdays there are in this month. It might be five. Free freemium Thursday free buary. Yeah, this episode's probably going to come out today, and that's a Sunday. Yep. It's not a Thursday at all. It's not even close. And also, the first oh. episode for February is about four dates at this point. Yeah, great. So we're doing cool. well. We're doing great. Yeah, well-oiled machine. Thanks, everybody, and uh, we'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.